HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to HRN on Tour at South by Southwest 2023. I am Christine Sykes-Low, and today I am joined by Dr. Morgane Gay. She is a food futurologist and a trend forecaster. Hi. So that's, hi. <laughs> I just caught your talk and it was uh, very eye-opening. So tell me about what, what, how did you get to be into the role you are now? What is your background? Oh my goodness, that's the worst and hardest question ever. Because I think that all of the things, typically, in my experience, whatever you wanted to be, whatever you want to be, it rarely happens. And what you end up is getting diverted into something that you thought, I never want to work in food, which I didn't. But I think that food is the connector and it's, it's everything. It connects every single thing that I'm interested in, which is people, culture, religion, belief, everything. And I ended up doing it uh, I, my background, I did a PhD, started in quantum mechanics and ended up in quantum philosophy, looking at the way that things connect. And 
what uh, what connects us and all of the things that I suppose I think I'm I'm like a whale sucking krill through my teeth <laughs> and then I pick one out you know like a bit of you know, meat in your tooth and I'm like oh idea that's a good one and then I'm looking for a matching bit of krill where I see across category things like fashion food design interiors and I put them all together and I try and create something that I th- I think will be a potential for our future reality well, I know that... That's long-winded, um, wasn't it? It was a bad no, answer. No, no. It, 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 quite frankly, <laughs> we actually, when I, when I sat in your talk, it was like one door was being opened into the next. And it was, it was I mean, it did cover the realms. It covered everything from, to the point, your, your talk was from fashion to fork, but it covered fashion, but it also covered interior design, uh, music, just pretty much everything across the board. Um, one thing that really uh, spoke to me was how you say we're basically socialized towards our food preferences from the womb. Yeah. So can you get into that a little bit more? Yeah, I think that we definitely believe that we have a choice. We think we have a choice when we decide that we want to buy flares or skinny jeans, but we we realize that we're being influenced with that. But with food, we are absolutely convinced that it's because I like it. And really it's what you've been socialized around. So from the womb, within three months within vitro, in vitro, you start to develop your scent flavor preferences. Because if, for example, you're in India and your mother's eating curry every day, you're getting that in the womb. But then if you're being breastfed, you're getting that in the breast milk. So you're already developing a preference and a socialization towards spicy food. And that just develops with time. So you're eating with your family. Your mother is feeding you for, let's say, 10 years minimum. And your family are eating similar food. So you're already developing a preference and a cultural preference. There are certain textures that some countries love. For example, slimy in Asia is considered positive, whereas ladies' fingers in the US, which are slimy and not so popular. Okra, you call them okra. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not so, yeah, not so popular. Mm, Slimy, not so good. So that's... Well, we also fry them a lot. (laughs) Because you don't like the slime, right? Exactly. Well, in the South, in particular, it's really delicious fried, but what isn't delicious fried? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Rats. Even they're pretty good, apparently. (laughs) It depends where you grow up, right? So it's definitely all about what you've grown up around. And then you do start to get autonomy. It's how we separate ourselves. One of the ways that we separate ourselves from our parents, we say, I am wearing this short skirt, whether you like it or not, and I'm not going to eat meat anymore. And you divide yourself from your tribe, essentially, because you're developing your own beliefs and culture and identity. And you start to gravitate towards people like you. So, hey, we're all emo. Oh, we're all punk. We're all vegan. To your point, the social indicator portion of that. Basically, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you, I mean, just saying for social media, if you're on Instagram eating your your bowl of yumminess at the local health food store, Mm -hmm. that's sort of an indicator. Says a lot. Yeah. Says a lot. So, so I think that's, you know, we are influenced all the time. And the biggest way, you know, we think that we're going to the voting booth to vote. What we don't perhaps realize is we're voting every single day with our wallet. 
every single thing that we buy, we're saying yes to this, no to that. I'm going to agree to what you're doing to my food because I'm buying it. And, and that's how we influence and the biggest food companies in the world are really powerful, really persuasive. And of course, my job is to sell ideas to those people. And I know what people are going to want in the future and why. So it's about the things that are going to make them pick that thing off the shelf rather than that thing, which is kind of the same, but not quite. Right. Lots of psychology involved in that as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so you had a, uh, a predictor to 2020. You had a chart. I would like to go into a little bit more of that. Mm, um, yep. When you presented that chart, how you saw that, and obviously we all know what happened in 2020, but how, how did that translate into what you saw so one of the things that I've found over the years, because I've been doing this a long time, because as you've seen, I only show images pretty much. I mean, there's no graphs or anything like that. I don't show data. And one of the reasons I don't show data is because data is, for me, it's already old. To get that data, you've already had to trawl through something that's passed. Right. And what it doesn't show are the disruptors. And I'm looking for those moments that aren't really on the radar and I show it in images and sometimes I'm not exactly sure what that exactly means. I can talk around it. But when I stood on stage in 2019, that's filmed somewhere on, you can Google it somewhere. It, it, it's me showing pictures of masks, people in hazmat suits and a picture of a virus. I never said, oh, there's going to be a killer virus and then going to be called COVID. I didn't know that. But what I did know, and I was very clear about, and I was trying to drive it home, I said, your life is going to change, that you're not going to recognize it in 2020. You're not going to, everything, your business, businesses will go. Your life will flip. You are going to be living a life that you don't recognize in within a year. And of course, it's difficult because people are sat in the audience going, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not really relevant to me. I don't think anyone... No, yeah, you could, can't no. comprehend it. Right. And I have to be honest, although I'm saying it, everything I say, I don't listen to either. So I had no plan B. And all of my work, you know, I was like, oh, no, I can't travel. No, if I'd have been really savvy and known about it and listened to myself, I would have also lined something good up, but didn't. So I'm no different to everybody else. But what I'm speaking about is... You know, I'm seeing stuff coming and it's sometimes quite frightening for me because I'm quite clear about when there's a big thing coming. Like Trump getting in, I was very clear about that. Like Brexit happening, I was against every single poll in Britain. I was against every poll, you know, big, massive organizations who all they do is data and they all predicted that we'd remain. And I said, we're leaving. And the hung parliament, that's not, you know, all of the things that happened, I predicted but I don't know, I don't have a graph or a chart or data. Right. But I'm looking for the little, I'm seeing what everyone else is seeing. But it's almost like the little, oh, I don't even know, little dancing microbes between the things that everyone's seeing. I'm sort of picking up. I, I, I can't even talk about I don't know what it is mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sensing something that I'm noticing little things and I think and I ask the question what, why that what's that mean because I think that most people are behaving in a way that they're often not that aware of they're just doing what everyone else is doing and so I always think I'm a bit of an outsider looking in years ago I noticed that women were carrying snacks in their handbag 
for that moment when you might starve to death. Now, when, are we, when did we become these people that thought they were going to starve between A and B? You know, you're going to go from lunch to, to dinner and you're going to starve and you just be nowhere I can get food and I need a snack in my bag just in case I'm suddenly on an expedition magically. But it said a lot more than that. It said is that, you know, it's survival. People are in a survival mode, a really strange things are shifting that's a shift and then I talked a lot about what that meant because I started to go into that just noticing the little things that people just do you know maybe just do that well part of the trends um as we're coming out of that um certainly in fashion what you went through with your slides and just different things that I saw was uh the big hug the billowy the 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 full mouthfeel on a on a fluffy pancake um Mm. you know just different things that people were craving um actually probably during the pandemic and after you see that still happening yeah so it's, it's people it's people realizing they were skin hungry no no hugs like an isolation of self and then wanting hugs and finding ways to do that and food emulating that now but it takes a while for brands to get to that so that we see more sort of marshmallowy type textures fluffy puffy japanese pancakes becoming the coolest latest thing right all of that kind of thing takes a while to actually come to market because people have got to make it brand it get it out there but it's it's really responding to that time and I think people still now are only some people are still only now just beginning to travel again so still beginning to connect just again. venturing out yeah I really I really believe that um you were talking about seclusion and isolation also I think people have sort of gotten to this um groove or habit of 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 that isolation and it's kind of hard sort of to get back out of it i mean uh, you know there's social events are obviously in full swing yeah and you have um certain certain opportunities to be socialized and be in there again but there's a little bit of a hmm maybe i forgot how to be social or do i really want to be in a big crowded room anymore so yeah people have even without them knowing you know, some people aren't even necessarily aware of how they've changed. We are all some, whether it's conscious or not conscious, we are changed by life events. And and most people are, you know, they're, they're different and they're experiencing life differently. Their aspirations are different. Their value systems changed. And that will start to play out more and more in what brands create and how people live and perhaps change their lives because of what's happened so zero carbon footprint that is the goal that is the wish you were talking about a project you did with the un can you go into a little bit about how they did the restaurant and then the waste yes so so zero carbon is really what every brand is aspiring to now we're putting the eco back in economy and you know, it's always been there, but we've seemed to have ignored it. So now we're much more focused on that. And I did a project with the UN a couple of years ago where we created a banquet for important people. And we worked with some really great chefs, kind of fairly famous chefs, who created food from food waste, roadkill, 
the things that had been shot with with shot with actual shot and you had to pick the the bullets out and things like that. I mean real sort of stuff that nobody would have typically touched and what happened was that we fed everyone it was completely delicious and we still had loads of leftovers and loads of waste you think wow that's really not just in food but in everything even if we patch our clothes up the thing that we've cut up to get the patch now we've still got some left over from the thing we've just cut up it's like it just goes on and on and on we don't really need the truth is we don't really need to create more we need to do better with what we've got and what we know about and i think the big conversation tends to go towards oh world hunger and uh, what about world hunger we need to grow more food create more food no we need to figure out how to ship it how to store it refrigeration is the biggest problem mm-hmm. it's about how do we get the food to the people that need it while it's still edible that's the issue some of the trends i saw you were um it was very much about nature it was getting back to nature yeah um during the pandemic obviously you said and we all uh I know I did. I live in the mountains and getting out on, a, on the Blue Ridge Parkway and hiking was the way I would find my peace. And I know everyone right. found their peace that way, getting outside. Yeah. So how is that translating into trends um, for design? Yeah, so I, I think the thing that, you know, we say almost is strange when we always say getting back to nature. And, I, and it's what we're really doing is getting forward to nature because we're accepting it in a different way. Before, we felt like we were human beings living in, you know, dominating nature. And I think now we're much more aware that we have a synergy, which we obviously do, but we've we sort of separated ourselves and, and now we're understanding and wanting to be much more connected with, bring the outside in and take the, and take the inside out, make it a much more fluid experience, have lots more countertop growing systems. Um, we're, seeing, we're seeing florals and everything to do with nature, whether it's a, a motif or even a fabric made from foods or made from something from nature so a leather made from leaves for example or ways in which we can have a handle which is a twig on something that might be ceramic I don't know about you but I kind of want a mushroom hut you want a mushroom I hut? do I a know. growing a one that grows the one all that the time. grows all the time yes I, mycelium I, I you can do some amazing <laughs> things with mushrooms oh my goodness me but the fact that it can I mean I don't know if you've ever grown have you ever grown mushrooms I have never not on purpose Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. Fungus is a whole other thing. But, but they love to grow in the dark, but they also love to grow in crap. So it works really well because we have a lot of both. So one of the things that you can also grow them in is coffee grounds. And there are these countertop little boxes that you could buy where you grow mushrooms. If you want to be freaked out, grow some mushrooms in your kitchen because you go to bed and it's a little twig and you get up in the morning, you're like, what the actual heck? I've got an alien in my kitchen. <laughs> it's really scary. They grow. Oh my God, they grow. And, and it's disturbing. And that's the thing with them. I mean, actually... They grow so well. We can grow so many varieties. Some of them are medicinal. Some of them are stunning. I mean, if you've seen lion's mane, it's, it's like a lion's mane. I mean, it's like a hairy thing. They're incredible. They are incredible. And, they're, and their structure and their ability to be able to communicate. I mean, it's what's really under all of the earth, communicating in one big, vast network. They are 
you could almost frighten yourself if you, you know, the more you read about mushrooms the more you're like it. oh my goodness that's a horror story but it's amazing <laughs> okay so 3d printing and food mm. i'd i'd like you to go into that a little bit more because the thing that i found interesting was when you were talking about well many things the chocolate and the and the shapes and the texture and how that translates into uh, the sensory experience uh, a person feels when they're when they're eating something, but also the pasta, and the and the and the mm-hmm. consumption of of a bag and how much air is in it and. There's a lot to talk about. Isn't yeah, there? I know. I'm trying to do the whole whistle stop. I'm yeah. trying to do the whistle stop. But it was just so interesting to me how the pasta can be flat and there's, uh, you know. Basically, it knows how to get into a shape once it hits boiling water. And, yeah. <laughs> so there's an intelligence that we can, oops, there's an intelligence we can embed into pasta so that when we put it in boiling water, because it goes from flat pack to, which is just a little line of flats of pasta into rigatoni or into a twist or, and it has the intelligence in it. So in some ways it's putting air and space into shape and shape and texture as I said, is the thing which differentiates why we like it and why we don't like it. Bizarrely, often more than what it looks, you know, we think it's taste, but texture is a really big divider for people because we might like chewy, but we don't like chewy if it's a steak. We might like a crunchy, but not if it's a piece of bread, for example. You know, it has to be the right texture for the right thing. 3D printing creates that for us by putting texture in because air, air is the thing that's been really difficult often to put into product. If we take commodities that are expensive or valuable, like cacao, like chocolate, and we put air into it, we change the shape of it, but we also change the texture of it. Mm -hmm. So it can be brittle because it can have lots of air in it, or it can have spikes on the outside or bubbles on the outside. So the corners that touch our mouth is how we, you know, we, we really um, we like or don't like. So it's why chocolate buttons that fit in the roof of the mouth are the preferred shape. It's why Toblerone as the triangle have made the triangle almost a USP because they know it's the worst shape for the mouth. It cuts it up. It doesn't fit properly. You know, we want creamy. So the rounder the shape, the creamier and sweeter we think it is. I like your cookie fingers idea, quite oh, me frankly. Too. The Why cones. has nobody made that yet? I know. Come uh, on, people. I mean, I it's selling it. But it's co- it's co- what is it? Cones for the fingers, almost like um, bugles like, for yes. Americans. Exactly. It's yeah, like a bugle. I yeah, know exactly. But what just you mean. cookies, and then you can dip it into the various sauces and accoutrements. And I mean, a box of like, you know, why wouldn't you have a box of ten cookie fingers? Let's say chocolate cookie fingers. Put your finger in, your forefinger in it, fits, you know, many sizes. <laughs> and and then you dip it into a jar of whatever you like, Nutella or like a creamy something. Exactly. And who hasn't, I mean, you don't have to put your hand up, but who hasn't dipped their finger in a jar of something creamy and delicious and thought, oh, now it's really under my nail, that chocolate's so annoying. Yeah, you put it in the chocolate finger biscuit cookie and it doesn't ever it's, happen again. Why is no one making package. It's exactly. perfect. And you could sell the sauces separately. I see a brand coming on. I see it all. I don't know. <laughs> it needs to happen. I, um, I was really impressed interested and when you were talking it kind of it it kind of scared me a little bit because it was almost like a peek into the future it was it was a nice peek but 
what you were talking about, this digital technology or technology, how we could almost have an implant and we can walk in our kitchen and the implant can sense what we're deficient in vitamin wise. Mm -hmm. And then it will go around the kitchen and say, you need to eat this and this. And mm -hmm. can you go yeah. into a little bit more? Yes. <laughs> so one of the things that I said was about diets really you know it's very old school now we know that that doesn't really work eating less calories doesn't always work for people or they lose and then they gain again it's, it's not sustainable some diets like 5-2 work for some people but not for other people and everybody is so uniquely different so we'll understand the dna your individual dna your microbiome what's happening with that it's the gut health it's a second brain we'll understand this so perfectly that then every single person can breathe into a device maybe an external device perhaps eventually embedded on the skin on the skin I would say probably rather than in because you won't be able to breathe in it or you know it'd be difficult but you know we will be getting there where then you can scan the device that has you knows all of your personalization already scan it around the kitchen and when it sees and knows the things that you are deficient in today can identify those things beep 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 great got the things that I need that I can absorb because it's about absorbability it, you know, you may have calcium in milk, but can you absorb the calcium from milk? No, you can't. How long do you think that'll take, something like that? Oh, a couple of years. We're getting there. We're very close. I hope so. Yeah, because we're super close. I think close. that's so needed. We're super close. There's already a thing. I mean, God, technology is amazing. So I, as soon as I can see a device, I buy one because I think, oh, that's that might be the closer thing to that. So I have a device called Lumen. I believe it's called Lumen. Have you heard of that? I have. And you breathe into it and it tells you what, it's not quite that, but it, but so I bought it, but you breathe into it and it tells you uh, where you are in terms of your fat burning levels. So it, it, it gives you sort of a bit of advice like, oh, you're in fat burning state. I mean, let me tell you, it's freaking hard to get into fat burning state because I did a fast for a week and I still wasn't in fat burning state. So is that uh, ketoacidosis? So, yes. Yeah, so, well, so, it's, sometimes it's not necessarily you don't even okay. have to be in a because that would be. But it, just in even in it, and it will tell you how far, you know, there's like a whole sliding plateau. scale uh -huh. of, wow, you are. And it's one to five. You know, you are not burning any. You are just living on your gorging out. And then, and then the lowest one. And it's super hard to get into the low one unless you are, I don't know what, you, you know, you, you really need to do some serious work to get there. But it's interesting. And so we already have the devices which are working on breath, which is stuff I've talked about. And it's already looking at your personal state. Because I would imagine maybe for other people, they can get into a fat burning state quicker I don't some know. can quite easily and yeah then, you know. exactly because yeah. we're all different right and also some of us because of our genetics absorb and in, you know can do very well on a high carb diet because it's what our genetics are some people are not you know can't process that it's almost like for example asians don't do well on on dairy products because it's so new to their culture they haven't got in fact to be honest unless you're red-haired and you're, you've got some Irish-Scottish ancestry over the age of four, everybody else is lactose intolerant apart from those people. So it's genetics. It's, you know, if I don't have any Irish or Scottish in me, not at all, and I'm lactose intolerant. Mm -hmm. if, you know, just there you go. You know. I think a lot of people are. I know I am. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So can you talk about anything on your radar, any projects you have coming up that you can discuss or? Ooh, my projects. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. Things on your radar that you're excited about? The future yeah. for you? The future. Well, the future for me. Um, oh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I I have a book coming out. Uh, oh, hopefully, fantastic. yeah, maybe in a. I don't know when it'll come out. Maybe in a month or two months. Very soon. Called from uh, called Trend to Table. They called the talk after my book. Um, I hope I was hoping that I was going to have the book, but it's not quite there yet. And it's not a big thick book. It's pretty fun because it's not a lectury kind of book. It's not talking about food, what the trends are, because, of course, once you buy the book, you're like, it's out of date already. <laughs> so it's talking about what I do and what, how people are influenced, because the subtitle is Why We Eat What We Eat. So it looks at little things that have happened in history and how you are being manipulated and how brands do that and how to take control back of what you do, really. How to just, without having a diet or anything like that, but really just getting back to what is fundamental. Because I'm not going to say back to basics, because nobody knows what that means. It's like eat in moderation. What's moderation? You know, all of those things, they're just watchwords. So I'm not using any of that kind of spiel. And then threaded through the book are what I've called my cheesy what's-its which is actually a bit like a Cheeto for Americans. And that is a little bit of a personal anecdote because all the way through the book, because we all have, every single person has food stories to do with their family. Things that they won't eat this because it's connected. To, oh, they won't eat fish, because, but they will eat fish fingers, fish sticks, or you know, weird things that people are, or strange things that have happened in your life that have put you off that thing. Like mm -hmm. I was, I was vomiting with a pizza when I was six. I've never eaten pizza since. It's that kind of thing. Right. So, so it's about that. And then at the end of each chapter is a recipe, but not a cookbook recipe, a fun, strange thing that if you do this with food in your kitchen, this might be fun. <laughs> like a little chemistry experiment. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Some of the things you like don't ever serve that to public, but some of the things that have blown my mind, I'm going to give you one. Okay. If you slice marzipan and fry it, you're going to be surprised with the result. Let it cool and then be surprised and then eat it and go. I like how you put the disclaimer, let it cool. Let it cool. <laughs> Before you put yeah, it in your mouth. Your mouth. <laughs> and then when you eat it, you'll be like, what the actual heck? I cannot believe that's marzipan because it changes into cheese crisps. Yeah, right. Who knew? So that's one of the recipes in the book. It's not very, like I said, you'd have to be like a brilliant chef. So a couple months from now, possibly this will be coming out, yes, obviously. On Amazon. And, and Amazon. I was about to say, where can people find it? Amazon, every single other bookseller. Wonderful. Yep. Trend to table, why we eat what we eat. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. You've had a busy day. <laughs> Yeah, it's been and fun. I know lots of travel, so really appreciate you taking the time. It's oh, been great meeting you. It's been so fun. Thank you so, so much. Thanks for listening to HRN's coverage of South by Southwest 2023. You can listen to all of our coverage on our podcast, HRN on Tour. Find it on heritageradio.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. 
Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.